You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Okay, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about reparenting ourselves and redefining what it means to mother. Today's guest is Dr. Gertrude Lyons. She is a life coach. She is an incredible guide, and she is coming forward to teach us all about reparenting, mothering ourselves, what modern motherhood is, and changing the cultural and societal conversation and dynamic around what it means to be a mother. So many of us believe that you hit a certain age, you're supposed to have kids because you have a vagina, and that's what you're meant to do on this planet. And that's just not true. It's just not. I believe and I am called to be a mom. I feel like it is what I'm meant to do in this life. And I have so many friends and people I know who don't feel that calling and are shamed for it every day because that's not okay by society's standards. And I love what Gertrude is doing because she is completely shifting this narrative of what it means to actually mother that we are exploring and getting curious about the maternal power that is within us, that it is a transformational journey that we take, whether we have children or not. And I loved this conversation with her because we get so deep into the weeds around reparenting and the awareness around breaking patterns. And I love, she says this, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. So really identifying what was missing, what we need now as adults, and filling in those gaps for ourselves, how we can show up for our friends who want to mother and who don't want to mother children, and how they are still showing up with that beautiful feminine grace and caretaker role in other ways, releasing expectations and society's beliefs, and getting more curious with ourselves and others. This is so powerful and so potent. Gertrude is also the host of a new podcast called Rewrite the Mother Code. I love it. It is so highly educational. It is an engaging conversation, welcoming you in to a new dynamic and a new paradigm. She is leading the way in such a beautiful, beautiful way. So I'm so excited for you to hear from Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Be sure to check out her show, Rewrite the Mother Code, and show her some love. She is new to this podcast space, and we're so excited to have her as a part of our Soulfire family. All right, here is Gertrude. Gertrude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you. I'm super excited, Kelly. Thanks for asking me. So when I was first introduced to you by Jess and her team, I was so interested and curious about what you were doing. And it really hit me when I started to hear Mm -hmm. about your work and the way you're teaching and approaching mothering. Um, And I think it hit me at that time a couple months ago because I lost my mom right before I was introduced to you. And I, I've been sort of in this mothering myself, remothering, reparenting, understanding the role of a mother, um, in my journey and in my healing. And it wasn't until my mom passed away that I came to this kind of glaring issue in my life that I, I was trying to mother everyone and everything in order to fulfill kind of the gaps where my mom wasn't able to step in. And Mm -hmm. so I would love for you to touch on so much of your work being around this reparenting and remothering ourselves as adults. I love that. Um, and thanks for sharing that, Kelly. I mean, it's, it's been a very vulnerable time for you. And I, I don't know you well, but in my first meeting of you, you shared about yourself. And that's a big part of mothering ourselves is when we're willing to expose and reveal, you know, so that we can get tended to. Because we can't get tended to if we're not sharing ourselves. But yes. I wanted to Thank you. Say that. But, you know, in general, like, you know, this all started for me out of wanting to, I had this general I- idea or concept and one that I had wanted to, had aspired to live to, but really didn't honestly do that great of a job. And we can talk more about that. But 
which was the transformational opportunity in mothering. And, you know, when we're, and you were kind of saying this, um, you know, we spend so much time focused on mothering others or putting ourselves out there and we don't really know how to mother ourselves, but what does it mean to transform? So this aspect that you're referring to of like, how can we, I call it like growing ourselves up, you know, with our, whatever we're mothering, right? So that wasn't, that wasn't even in my purview when I first started on this journey. It was in my mind, it was really pretty much all about the journey when you're mothering children. And it wasn't until I did my, my doctorate and the, the seminar where I had all women that didn't have children, because I was thinking of, a, of it as preparing for having children. But what emerged was this like, wait a sec, like we, it became so clear. And I had heard this through my mentor, Dr. Judith Wright, that all women mother. And, you know, this has been, you know, ended up being such a, a groundbreaking piece of what I want to put out in the world or, you know, what I work on with women is this bigger concept that we all mother. So whatever we're taking, whatever their big thing and having a child is a big thing. You know, it's a, it's a big endeavor, turns your life upside down, but it's not the only thing that turns a woman's life upside down. And it's not the only thing that a woman embarks on that she conceives, creates, gives birth to. So in all of those opportunities, um, we have, this opportunity to like see, so if it's a child, for example, like within that child is all the material for my growth and transformation, because they're going to trigger and push every button that I have. So whether it's a child or whether it's, you know, um, a business that I'm creating and my employees or my spouse, you know, the same thing holds true there where the whole point of being in relationship and putting ourselves out in that way is so we can grow and become whole and learn and develop. But I love the concept of growing ourselves up with our kids because mm -hmm. as women, we think we're just supposed to then sacrifice and step aside and give, 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 but there's this huge opportunity for us in it. So, mm -hmm. and why do you think, I mean, everyone has trauma, right? So this is newsflash. Yes. Um, <laughs> we all have trauma. So much of it comes from experiences we have as kids. And so then we take them into adulthood and oftentimes they're untouched. Like it's just something that's a part of our journey yeah. and we haven't healed it. We haven't sat with it. We haven't moved through it. And so it becomes a really big dictator in how we operate. And I find mm -hmm. that that was such a huge reason for me. And so I would walk into every relationship and I would turn into a guy's mom. I just looked for guys who had issues with their moms and then I would become their mother and then I saved them. And it was the dynamic over and over and over again. Yeah. I still find myself doing that, but I really, yes. I have better self-awareness now. Um, yeah. But what happens and how can we step more into that re-mothering or re-parenting role and identify what happened as kids so that we can have that awareness and we can have that movement through the trauma or the experience so we don't continue to perpetuate those patterns? Right. Well, you're naming kind of the key ingredient, right, which is awareness. Mm -hmm. So as you were saying, like early on, I, here I am in relationship after relationship, being someone's mother and then you know, recreating the same scenarios, but we're going to recreate the same scenarios because that's what's comfortable for our brain. Our brain wants to keep us safe. So it likes that even though it's not, you know, satisfying or nurturing, it's familiar. Okay. So just that awareness. So somewhere along the way there, you had an awareness, like I'm in a, I'm in a pattern. I better start looking at this. Right. So then that begins the endeavor, the process of looking at our childhoods, you know, looking at our history, looking at like our, our unfinished business and where is the trauma? Where are the, the wounds from our childhood? Where are there gaps or holes? And even in the best scenarios, you know, parents really trying and, and going for it, there's going to be gaps, you know, there, nobody is going to do this perfectly. So if I am willing to go on that retrospective journey and look at my history and look at all that's going on in the unconscious, because we're talking in the first two years of life, when we have implicit memory, we don't have, you know, this like verbal memory, um, we're wired for how we, how we believe the world is going to treat us, how we believe we're going to be in the world, how safe I am, is, is the world a safe place, and who and what can I trust around me? So that all happens before we even have language for it. 
And then we spend the rest of our formation kind of building a case, so to speak, for that, for that belief, right? And it gets affirmed through how our caregivers are with us. And then at school, and then, you know, we just start and we just over and over, we have this whole formation and this, this whole time period where those beliefs are getting wired in us. So, you know, it's, it's not an, a quick and easy unraveling, but if we're willing to go look into that territory and even, you know, there's modalities that you can look into that implicit awareness because our body has stored it all. And I know you've, you know, explored and looked at a lot of different, you know, ways that we can get in touch with our histories and ourselves and breath work, body work, you know, those kinds of things that get us out of our head and our memory into like how our cells and our body is storing all of this. And we can release it, we can become aware of it. So then when I'm in relationship with somebody, I'll recognize the whole point is to have the awareness to be able to recognize it in the moment Mm -hmm. in relationship. And then if you have, you know, if you're talking about, you were talking about romantic relationships or partners, if they're on the journey too, then you're both looking at it, you're both seeing it with each other. And then you two can make your work toward wholeness, you know, and, and this I like to say, you know, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, you know, and yes. we, we can, we can, you know, fill in those gaps with each other. But in the meantime, we're just kind of fighting them off and we, we don't even recognize them. You know, we don't even know when, and we reject sometimes positive stuff coming at us because we're, our system isn't used to it. I want to talk about that because the, you know, form of self-sabotage and, and something good happens and we're like, this is too good to be true. I don't know what to do with this. Our nervous systems don't even know how to accept something good because we're so wired for negativity or bad things or chaos or, you know, the rug being pulled yeah. out from under us at one point or another. So how do we move out of that state of fear and rejection of positive things into a state of receiving and openness to it? Yep. Um, that's, well, the, as you were talking about that, I'll, I'll share this and then we'll talk about it. Like a personal example came up for me when, you know, early on in, in my growth work and my husband and I working together, you know, I had, you, you kind of have no idea how starved you are until someone starts feeding you. Um, and it can be incredibly stirring. And so luckily I'd had some awareness that I knew there were until you know there are gaps there, you probably will just reject it. But once you know you're, you have deficits in that arena, you can be a, a little bit more aware and open. But I'm still working on that. But anyway, back to the example, I think my husband and I had been married, hmm, I mean, at most a couple of years. And we were full on in doing our own personal growth work and couples. And, you know, I'm raising awareness with as now we've been married 30 years. So obviously this journey never ends. (laughs) But at that point, it was my first example of, so I, I asked, you know, for my birthday, um, for him to give me a ritual bath. Right. So first of all, that was like way out of my comfort zone, but I read about it somewhere, right. I read (laughs) it in like someplace like, Oh, like flowers and a bath and you know, and oils or whatever, and just prepare, you know, this bath for me. And that will be so like beautiful. Right. And, and, uh, he took it on and my husband's very good at like, if he's, you know, given a directive, he goes all out. Right. So (laughs) So he prepared this space and, and, um, and I don't know if it said it in the like suggestion, but for some reason I said like, let's stay in silence. Right. Like, I don't want to like a lot of talking. Let's, you know, just, some, what was one of my requests? Well, he, you know, had the space set up and puts me in the bath and then starts, I hope this isn't like TMI, but it, you know, I'm not going to get weird or anything, but, um, you know, just starts bathing me. And I sobbed, like had no idea, like how much I yearned for that level of just someone putting their full attention on me. I really honestly think it was the first experience maybe I'd ever had of someone giving so selflessly to me. And so he proceeds to do that. I'm sobbing, you know, I I get up and, you know, he had brought in there um, chocolate and I don't know, sparkling water or sparkling juice or something. And I'm like, I, I have to leave the room for a minute. I literally went in the other room and threw up. Wow. And 
I, my mind first went to like, Oh, it was just like so steamy in there and you know, the smells and all that stuff. But honestly, Kelly, it really was like, I overloaded my system. Like it was so much more than I had ever. And it was a big dose all at once. And, um, I was luckily had enough awareness to know that that was what was happening. So I didn't just shut it down or, you know, like mm-hmm. turn it into something negative, which is what our mind will want to do. It's like, Oh, you know, let's never do that again. That was kind of bad because I threw up, but it was really a releasing and an awareness of like, this was really overwhelming. So that being said, like, how do we, you know, open ourselves to it? Like one, you put yourself in experiences, you know, and, and you have that awareness and you see what comes up. And it, when you're, you know, more mindful about it. You don't just turn something on or off. You are willing to explore it and kind of tell the truth about what all was going on with that, you know, and it, it provided a fair amount of work for me, you know, to, to dig into and realize, you know, I had a lot more work to do to fill those gaps and that we would be working on that together. And I'd, I'd be working on it myself. So what do you feel comes up for you in that void, in that gray area when you're not go, go, go talking chaos. When you really just let things be quiet and allow things to come to you, what do you feel comes up for you or you receive in those moments? I think being still and stillness and settling is one of, I mean, it's certainly a big challenge for me. And I think in our Same. culture and society, <laughs> like the, right, the go, go, go and achieve. And it's a definitely more masculine orientation value wise. I don't mean, you know, men, women, but just from that kind of value perspective, um, that I, I usually find I, I have to, that's something I have to set up. I don't give it to myself probably nearly enough, you know, but in those times I kind of treat it like everything. I mean, e- even now in some ways, but how do I kind of look at my life as a med- ongoing meditation, right? Like, Oh, I'm, here with you? Am I in the moment with you right now? And if I'm not, and I'm looking away or this or that, like, Oh, bring myself, just bring myself back. Right. And how do I bring myself back? So a lot of it is not, is having compassion, number one. And in that moment, when I'm giving myself those moments to not beat myself up, if I'm, my mind wanders or I get sleepy or, you know, when at these times where I'm just want to be with myself that understand that it's hard. And any moment that I do get of it is a blessing and sometimes really cool stuff comes up, you know, like insights or awarenesses that I don't think happen when we're go, go, go. Right. Um, and then other times it's like, well, you know, like that was a nice little rest (laughs) (laughs) and not put too much pressure on it. I, I do a morning ritual every morning of, you know, it's a certain amount of, it's a, I say things. Um, I don't spend a lot of quiet time. And sometimes it's like, say it, it's like pray, you know, how, I guess somebody might think of it as a prayer, you know, and sometimes that prayer is just kind of a rote thing. I like reel off. Cause I said, I would do it every day. And sometimes I really let it sink in and I feel it. And I feel the experience like reverberate in me, or I'm thinking about how I'm going to apply what I'm being with you know, in what I'm saying in my day. And I thought of it this morning, you know, and that I had this today and that I'd have this opportunity and how would, you know, how do I want to be and allow those spaces. So that's a little more active, not just the quiet, but I'm holding it like a meditation. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about what it looks like when someone comes to you and maybe it's a client of yours or just in general As we get to this point in our lives where we start to identify that something is off within us, whether it's something we've been taught, it's something we feel is lacking, something that was like a missing piece, but we're not able to identify what it is. And so often it comes back to the environment in which we grew up or the way we were parented. How do you help someone identify what those things are in order to have a better picture an understanding of themselves and what's been going on. I know that's a very loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Kelly, there's 10 easy steps. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> if only that were possible. <laughs> I know. Or wait, here's a pill. I just give yeah. it to you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. miraculously, it just all happens. Yeah. So, 
obviously we're saying that because you know, and you're very clear it's a journey, right? But the first thing I thought of when you started on that question was, well, you know, it is I always like keep a lot of like affirmation and congratulations on anyone who steps foot in the door of a coach or, you know, someone who's like admitting out loud that something may not be working well, or, you know, they could use some support or it's like, you know, I have, I have checked all the boxes, but why don't I like, I thought this would, I thought I would feel better. I thought I, you know, that those goals were what were going to satisfy me. So a lot of times in that particular instance, when somebody comes in kind of from that perspective, like things are okay, but they could be better. Or I have this like one thing that isn't working is I I, want to give them an immediate kind of experience of getting in touch with their yearnings versus their wants or their goals. You know, so what is it that you, that you think you want, or you think, you know, is missing and then say more about that. Right. So what will that give you? And then what would, if you have that and now you've achieved that, then what, then you'll achieve that. So what, you know, and then so what, and it usually always distills down to our basic yearnings. And I don't mean basic as in basic, but our universal, you know, deeper hungers that we all have, you know, so I, I don't, I'm not satisfied with my job and I want, you know, to shift and have a better career, you know, so that, so what, you know, so, and then what will that give me? And then will give me, it usually comes down to something like, you know, so I can make a difference or so I matter. So I'm seen or I'm understood or I'm acknowledged things that yearnings that aren't getting met in my current situation, you know, and, and then we get to talk about like, well, you know, that all starts with you and how you are the author of your life and how can you start getting that for yourself, whether, and then we want to expand the arena. Cause once we start looking at yearnings, there's, we always want to think there's like this fix, like, well, I'll just change jobs. And then, then it'll be there. Like, no, you know, it'll just kind of like you with relationships. Like you said, the first, like, there I am again, and, yeah. you know, and, and just in a different, you know, until we learn like what those are and how I can orient toward a deeper, one of those, one or all of those deeper yearnings as I go about my day, then there's, it's just not going to happen, you know? So that's, I'm saying that kind of as an intro, but then there's, then when we're looking at our past, like how were they not met and how, what are my mistaken beliefs? Like I, I don't deserve those. You know, I didn't, I didn't deserve to have that level of attention, you know, on me. There was something like I had a mistaken belief that that was bad or I, you know, I would never have that, you know, the world, I was there to give to the world, the world wasn't supposed to give to me. So it broke all those beliefs. And then, and then you have to keep doing it over and over again for it to, you know, for it to actually transform, you know, or change. And I think I love the way you put that. And I think something that came up for me was, I didn't address a lot of things with my mom when she was alive. It was almost like she passed away and then the door swung wide open. It was like, all right, let's do the thing. And as you said before, we started recording. I'm like, so woo woo and out there. I talk to my mom all the time. Like her, her spirit is with me. I feel like I'm very in open conversation with her. Um, she came through during a couple therapy sessions. Um, and so that allowed me to heal. But one of the hardest things for me that I've talked to others about is that I never did the work when she was alive to help me understand and give me tools to help me reparent myself. And I would just be curious because I haven't really talked to anyone, especially someone in your position about this, but what your thoughts are when it comes to healing ourselves and healing wounds and then stepping into that role of mothering, whether we have children or not, if it's for ourselves or others, how do we engage in those conversations? And is that important in order for us to heal? Or is it more important for us to do the work within to release that and understand what has happened? So just so I'm clear, Mm -hmm. is it, is there a distinction in the importance of being able to do that directly with Mm -hmm. a mother who's alive, like my mother uh, alive and the difference in if, if she's gone, like in your case, yeah. that's what you're asking. Right? Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. And is it important to do it with someone right. else or is it okay that we're doing it with ourselves? It's a hundred percent. Okay. To do it within yourself. Like that's honestly going to be, you know, the most important, you know, you're the one 
re you're, you're building a new internal mother within yourself, Mm. right. And you're acknowledging, you know, you, and that's going to be with you forever. Right. Um, I, I, I encourage people when their mothers are alive to do things like get clear and current and get on a truthful level, you know, to, I, it's super, it can be super scary or courageous, but you know, to tell all those like forbidden things and share your experience and have some of the feelings that you as a child didn't feel safe to have, but you can now, um, for yourself, but it's still for yourself. It's still not to change necessarily even to change that relationship. I mean, you can have a vision for that relationship that would encompass truth and authenticity, but not every parent's willing to go there, Mm. but that's not full on the point. The point is you've stood. And so I think the main distinction in those two is, is you don't have that opportunity to know how she would respond. You know, I mean, you, you're, you're working it, you know, the way you are with these conversations. And I think that's beautiful. And it can, I don't think one or the other is going to provide that much more healing. Your intention is what's going to make the difference, mm-hmm. you know, but, but similar, like, but you won't have that experience. So you won't know. Right. And, um, I'm, I'm sad when people don't take ex- advantage of it when they, when they know, like you said, I didn't know to do that before. And then she passed and it was like, wait a sec, you know, um, but you're, you, it sounds like you've created some situations to bring her present yes. and that's beautiful. I mean, we've had people like go to gravesides and have pictures or, you know, have somebody stand before them and, and that might even know your mom or, or you tell enough about your mom so they can kind of respond in the way that you think that, that she might've thought so that you can interact in that way. And that can be really also really healing, mm-hmm. you know, cause then you get to because a mom, you know, a parent might be really defensive or, you know, and which is fairly normal. Yes. <laughs> I'm only a dog mom and I'm super defensive. So I can yeah, only imagine. I, I, it's so vulnerable. It, you know, when you're taking care of something, you know, and being a mother of a child is hugely vulnerable, but anything we're pouring our heart into, like you said, your, your dogs, like it's, you, you want to think you did it all right. And even though, you know, you didn't, you know, when your child stands in front of you and says like, I hated this and I hated that. Like I, even I shudder at the fact and I know it's true, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I know the day is coming for my daughters to, you know, rip your really, heart out. <laughs> yeah. Really tell their truth, you know, and, and I've invited them a couple of times and they'll do it when they're, when they're ready. But, um, I, I, I've already been defensive, you know, at times. <laughs> well, and isn't that the big lie that if you're super woke and you've done, gone to therapy and you've healed within that you're going to be a mother that like creates these humans that have no trauma. Like that is the lie. Cause I, I don't know. think that is possible. I don't either. And I think I, I think there was a part of me like, Oh, I'm doing all this work. Like it was a, just another way to try and make myself feel better. And like I was doing, mm. you know, a better job you know, and that goes into the whole, like, mothers not really full on supporting each other and women not supporting each other to the level I think we need to and could. Um, But it, you know, that was where I kind of like, oh, I have my edge here. And there's like, oh, maybe they'll like, they'll be perfect. (laughs) And it's so crazy. And even though I knew better, like, these thoughts, you know, and then I'm comparing them and I want, you know, I'm, I'm just right there in the midst of the culture, even though I know better, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Oh, I hope they reflect well on me and, you know, and their achievements. Um, and then I'm like, oh, it's not about me. It's not about me. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It still happens. It's it so still funny. Happens yeah. They, 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 yeah, nope. I, that, that <laughs> one got blown in many ways, in many forms and good for them. Right. Like mm-hmm. that they, that's what they're supposed to do. You know, they're supposed to be their own people and not like, some picture I have of who they should be or what they should, how they should act and what they should do. How much has your, have your children been the mirrors and the triggers that you needed to heal your old wounds that maybe you had never even seen? So many. Yeah. (laughs) And even when you know them and then you see them, you're just like, Oh, you know, the, you know, I think one, especially early on when they have, you know, no idea. I, an early on trigger, like just as babies and like in that 
total aliveness state that I think that's where I was one of the times I really struggled the most where they're just all out, you know, alive, spontaneous. And that was like, I had constructed, you know, a, a, a very kind of safe, you know, parameters of which, you know, strong emotions weren't necessarily included and way more controlled than, than I knew I was. So just meeting them and, and allowing myself, giving myself space to be with them was super challenging. Mm. Really, really. So that, you know, that stirred up it. And then, you know, early on I was, I was working really, cause I, I grew up in a, an atmosphere. I was like looking good was what it was all about. I'm, you know, only outings I did with my mother were shopping. And even though we lived in this small town that could care less about fashion, like I, you know, I was basically kind of her like doll that she dressed up. Right. So it was, and so I, I, I went kind of in a reactive mode to that for a period of time and, and particularly right before, and when my first daughter was born. So I was miss like, it doesn't matter, you know, and, and, uh, designer stuff aside. And like, I just, you know, want to be natural and not worry about those things. And, you know, I don't think my daughter was like two, three years old and she's in the mirror, like, mom, how do I look? And, and, you know, in this, like, you know, and the princess dresses and all this stuff, I'm like, I thought I was like, you know, trying so hard not to like have that be the thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then through their whole upbringing, like, mom, why won't you shop with us? Like, you know what? <laughs> there, You're like, cause I like, still have PTSD. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. that's like, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds superficial, but it was, you know, it was a huge interaction and like kind of wound with my mom that they got to, you know, I got to keep being with and working with along with them. Brief pause here in my conversation with Dr. Gertrude Lyons as she just showers me with wisdom and love and all of that incredible knowledge that she has. I want to share with all of you about BetterHelp. So, as I have been talking to Gertrude about childhood patterns and awarenesses and things that have been coming forward for me, especially around losing my mom and and what that experience has been like, Therapy has been an integral part of my healing and really emerging into the woman I am becoming. And I don't believe that I would be where I am without therapy because it has been the most sacred space for me. It has been a place for me to go to expand, to cry, to release, and to be radically honest around my childhood and my life and the struggles and my experiences and my truth. And I love Anna, my therapist with BetterHelp. She is spiritual and also so grounded and pragmatic. And talking to her has saved my life in so many ways. And I really believe, especially in the traumatic world we are currently living in, that everyone deserves access to therapy and support. So if you are feeling like it's time, you feel called to ask for help, you want that support from someone who is unbiased and is willing to show up for you, I would love to share BetterHelp with you. If you go to betterhelp.com slash Kelly, you'll get 10% off your first month. And just as an aside, you can spend anywhere from 40 to $60 a week for therapy sessions. It is so affordable compared to everything else out there that's you know, three, four, five hundred dollars a session with a good therapist. You will get incredible counselors and therapists available to you here on a weekly basis. Plus, you can message them in the app outside of your calls. It's phenomenal. So head to betterhelp.com slash Kelly, use the code Kelly for 10% off and ask for help. It's so important this time. I also want to share my favorite brand, Organifi. So as we are moving into the cold ass months here in Denver, it is going to be snowing all the time. And yes, it is sunny. I love the weather here. It's amazing. But it's also fucking freezing sometimes. Uh, what do I go to? 
I'm not drinking coffee all day long. That makes me have jitters and anxiety and it makes me crazy, just to be honest. And then I don't sleep at night and my nervous system is wired and wild and I can't seem to calm down. So I will be upping my Organifi game and drinking greens and reds during the day and oftentimes utilizing the chocolate gold or the regular gold or the pumpkin spice because I am stocking up on that shit because that and the chocolate gold are both seasonal now. So if you have any interest in getting your hands on those, you better swipe them real quick. Um, But I am turning to Organifi to support my immune system, to support my nervous system, and to help me on those days when I am dragging and tired and it is freezing and I don't want to go do anything and I just want to be bundled on the couch. I will be pouring myself lots and lots of Organifi blended up with that good coconut butter and maybe some coconut oil or some oat milk, all, all the good good in one cup. I think I'm needing to pour one right now. That's what I'm coming to. My mouth is salivating as I'm talking about this for you. So if you go to Organifi.com, use the code Kelly T, you'll get 15% off your order. And don't forget, it's the holiday season. Now is a perfect time to get a bunch of Organifi, use that code, get a big discount, and then you have a lot of your holiday gifts taken care of. Easy peasy. All right, let's get back to this one with Dr. Gertrude Lyons. You know, something else that comes up as you were talking, I thought about how we mother our friends, how we can mother each other in order to heal. I was talking to someone earlier on a podcast and we were talking about how, you know, back in the day you you mothered in villages. I would breastfeed your child yeah. and vice versa. And we would help take care of one another. And it was very community village vibe. And now, especially with social me- media, it's this perpetuation of you're doing it alone and you better look really good while you do it. And you better have all the coolest gear and it better be Instagram worthy. Otherwise you're a failure. And yeah. what I see happening, especially in my generation is like this this questioning of why we're like this and how can we show up for one another as quote unquote sisters to support one another. And I have had friends over the last year and a half who I really feel have stepped into mothering roles with me, which has healed so much of my wounding around women and relationships with women because I had such a fear around it and a lack of emotional availability and just different things that I had been dealing with. And all of a sudden these women stepped into my life and started to teach me and show me and guide me in ways I never had. And I felt like there was this deep healing and sense of community and village mentality. How can we show up for one another in that way and have that mothering mentality and knowing that we can support each other on a level at which I don't think most of us realize was possible? Yeah. And so many aren't doing so. First of all, you know, hooray for, you know, one for you having that. I'm so glad that, you know, that you fostered and, and I think we create everything in our lives. So you drew these women to you, you know, you generated that. Um, and that these women were women enough to offer themselves, you know, in a way that was, sounds like genuine and authentic because, and, you know, not knowing them, I would say it, what it takes. And, you know, for this to start becoming a thing, um, amongst us is, I'm going to make an assumption that they've done some level of work themselves Mm -hmm. and they have some sense of themselves. So they're not looking to make themselves feel better um, at the expense of our friends, you know, and that they're willing to show all parts of themselves and offer themselves fully to you and be an ally. And I think, you know, making a distinction between friends who, you know, can sometimes really not fully support us or, conditionally support us or be there for, you know, more for themselves than they are for you uh, really requires an ally type relationship where they're willing to tell the truth. They're willing to rock the boat with you, you know, and talk true about what they see and, and in an empowering way. And I don't mean like a, you know, cut someone down and criticize, but, but help useful feedback with vision is one of the most powerful things we can do for each other. And then, and also accepting each other's choices. I think that's like so big in the, in our women's world is, you know, it's, it's, it's 
when I've thought about this and, you know, put it in perspective, it's really new that women have a, a choice more so like, so to speak, you know, because of contraception and, you know, other ways that we can, you know, choose our, you know, if, if, or when we want to have kids and, and that hasn't always been the case. So we think just because we got that choice that everybody's going to be so accepting, you know, of, Oh, I want to make the choice not to like, well, what do you mean? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you do that? And, you know, we really haven't accepted it yet, even though it's available. And I think, you know, women, we feel so insecure and we're navigating that territory and then really being there to fully support each other as friends to ask questions and, you know, support the choices that we make, particularly if they've been a discerned choice, you know, and not just a friend saying like, well, you know, I know, I know I never want to have kids. Like, a friend, uh, ally would say like, Oh, well, tell me more about that. Like, how did you get to that? Like, where does that come from? Like, and curious and really want to be with you in the question, not manipulate to try and get you to like, think one way or the other, you know, and I think we have a ways to go, but, you know, hearing you say that and, you know, seeing, you know, some platforms that are really trying to show more the, the real side of not just the, like, isn't this all great Instagram? And if you don't look like this, like then you're home alone, like feeling like crap, because I don't have that many moments where it looks this great as it does (laughs) on Instagram, you know? And when I do, they're precious and yeah, they might be worth capturing, but then to also say like, this was a hard one moment. You should have seen the last like 24 days before this one happened (laughs) Mm -hmm. instead of like, this is what it's like for me all the time. Like, isn't it, aren't you, you know, isn't, isn't it this great for you? And, and that's going to, you know, it's just going to get us nowhere in in our environment and culture right now, us, our force together is going to be so powerful. And I think it's why it's been damped down for so long because we are so powerful and, you know, United is it's, it's the direction we have to head in for the, I believe for our planet to survive, to be honest, it's, I think the stakes are really high. Um, but then I, I want it for us personally. It feels better. You know, it feels better when a friend, I had a, do you mind if I share a story? No, I would love that. Like an ally story, um, of, you know, the, it's a woman I work with and I consider her one of my best friends and I consider her one of my best friends because she's probably the friend that's told me the most truth. And a lot of times truth, I really didn't, I mean, I knew you always know it's true. Like when somebody says something and then you're, and it's not a surprise, but it hurts to hear it all. (laughs) Yes. Hurts, you know, to hear it. And, um, this wasn't that long ago. This was only a few years ago that I just got my doctorate. I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So where am I going? I was, you know, feeling a little like disoriented from how that was going to go forward. Um, kind of like when you first have a child, it's like, Oh, I just gave birth. Now what am I supposed to do? It's raw. Um, and my husband sold his business and he sold his business. So now, you know, financial resources were not a problem, you know? So going back to that early story I shared about like, Oh, the life of like luxury items and luxury goods. And just, you know, this like easy life that before I started growth work, I thought was like going to be the goal that if anyone could achieve would be like this wonderful thing. Well, you know, I, I, I it's kind of like I knew better, but all of a sudden and sudden I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I know I do want to work, but I, I don't have to, you know, we, we don't have to like really do that much. And then I'm finding myself in, you know, orienting toward people who are, you know, what, much more in that like luxury mode, I guess, you know, to just for lack of a better word. And even though like part of me, it was like, this feels really empty, but it's like so seductive. and. And she just, I don't know if, if how the conversation started, but she's like, you know, she said, you have total choice in where you want to go and what you want to do. But I'll tell you right now, if you keep, if you keep going in that direction, we're not going to be friends. Wow. I'm not going with you. And I mean, I, I kind of like tear up every time I like talk about that because it was such a wake up call, you know, and such a reorienting, like womanly thing to say you know, for her, and we've talked about it later. She's like, I was so scared like that, you know, it came out very powerfully to me, but she was like, I was super scared to put our relationship in jeopardy, but I was holding my own integrity and it gave me something to orient to. It's like, 
it was kind of like a wake up out of a fog I was heading into, you know, and I, I've been thanking her like constantly for the last like three years. Like I wouldn't be sitting here with you, you know, I, I don't know. I, what I, 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 I won't name some of the, yeah, that you could be doing. doing. (laughs) It's true though, because it's not like she came forward and was judgmental or shaming you. It was, I'm in integrity myself and this is how I feel. And I, I, you do whatever you need to do on your path, but this is where I stand. That's a fucking wake up call. That is truth. That is honesty from a place of love. A hundred percent, you know, and a hundred percent. And I felt it both, you know, when they say like tough love, like that was a, a, a huge tough love ally moment, you know, that I'm like, I want to be like that, you know, uh-huh. with women and, you know, people I'm with and, and coaching that I'm willing to like put something at stake like that. One of yeah. the things that I think comes up a lot is a fear of being honest with ourselves and honest with others, because so many of us are people pleasers. And as little girls, we're taught to be quiet and do what everyone tells us and make people happy mm-hmm. and make sure they like you. And so it fosters this pattern of not being honest with ourselves and what we want, what we desire, what is most in alignment. And also when we're being honest with other people. Now, I'm not talking about um, just telling people what you think all the time and telling them what to do. I'm talking about what you just shared. This is this is my truth. This is how I feel. And I am totally okay with whatever you choose. I just want you to know this is where I stand. How can we get more comfortable with being honest with ourselves as well as with others and letting go of that fear of disappointing someone or someone choosing to not be friends with us or not like us. Hmm. It's, you know, that, that's, uh, I mean, I'll start off with saying like that, that's a worthy lifelong journey. Right. And, uh, (laughs) and it's a lie for anybody to ever say like, I don't care what people think because it's just a hundred percent not true. We all, you know, we're relationship beings. We, you know, safe, there's a certain safety in connection and relationship. And you mentioned like, you know, evolution and stuff like that. Like, no, like not being liked is means getting kicked out of the tribe and I may die. Right. So that's historical uh, wiring in us. So it's, it's not a minor thing to say, I'm going to, you know, share uncomfortable truths or I'm, I'm going to be that person. And, and I think you, you were asking how, but it, just a name that it starts with telling those truths to myself. Right. And am I courageous enough to, to stand in my own truth? And I think, you know, that's what you're asking. And that, you know, there's, I I think that's where sometimes we need like a format and a process, you know, we're not just going to read books about that and do it, you know, we're not, we're not just gonna, that doesn't just magically happen. You know, that's why I feel grateful to be part of an organization that has programs and assignments and, you know, ways to put yourself and like put a mirror up, you know, in in front of you and that mirror both to see how beautiful you are and see like the goodness, but also, you know, to see our, our light and shadow self, you know, and to see them both in there and see that it's all beautiful. Right. And, and I think we've been so trained to think that, you know, those messy parts of ourselves or the like, uh, you know, the things that are even our judgmental thoughts or the, you know, the things that being taught, like to be a nice, good girl, we keep inside, you know, like darker thoughts or, you know, like not liking someone or not liking, you know, even at that level, um, that that's all part of us. And I, I think a big part of the journey is being able to, you know, see and look in that mirror and love all those aspects. But first we have to say what they are, you know, and, and tell those truths. And, and, you know, I know along the way, there've been certain times where it's, you know, just pretty first starting to tell truths about how I saw my family and things that I didn't like, because I was the peacekeeper, you know, the one that, you know, appeased everybody and, you know, supposedly kind of like tried to keep us all together and the nice one. So for me to like, start saying like, there were things I didn't like, even, you know, it wasn't that I honestly like thought the lightning would strike yeah. and the sky would fall. Right. So then you, so you challenge those beliefs, you say those things out loud and you say them, you know, out loud to somebody or to yourself. And then you see what happens. Right. And did the beliefs that I thought I had about sharing those parts of myself, it, are they, are they coming true? And I'm, are they not like what's happening? And so often 
it's, you know, there were assignments in the, in the, in some of the work I did. And, and one of them was literally like telling critical truths. Like I'm in a group and it's my assignment. So through this whole hour that we're going to have together, I'm just supposed to like share with everybody in the group, like, like every critical thought that's on my mind. I'm like, like, could there be anything like worse from like the, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I just started putting <laughs> stuff out and it, you know, and it was like superficial stuff. Like, oh, I, I, I really don't like that ring that, that, you know, this like new ring this woman had. And she's just like, oh, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, see, but then so many of them, like the things that ended up happening were them saying like, oh, you're so much more trustworthy. Like, we know that these judgments are going on inside you, but it's just safer to be with you to have the truth out. And now I feel safer with myself. And, and some of them were actually like really helpful to people (laughs) and they like made changes out of the truths I was saying. And like, Oh, like people liked me better when I was saying things that I thought were unsayable or like, so not okay. So that's about other people. But if I'm willing to say them about myself too, like I'm not going to die, you know, if, um, because I'm, admitting these aspects of myself and, you know, and, and not in that like critical, like, Oh, you're such a terrible person. You know, that there's that way we beat ourselves up with those critical thoughts. And we're not talking about that, you know, um, those we want to like actually say them and are they true and question them? Are they, is that true? Am I a terrible person? Like, let's, let's look for evidence. Let me, maybe I should ask people and, and get reality checks. So I don't know. I, I, I think I answered that like yes, a, no. really in different ways. That was so good. That was so good. I loved every part of that. I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier when, you know, someone says, I'm, I don't want to have kids or I, I don't mm. think I do. And we shame them. And I, I have noticed myself checking myself. I've wanted children since before I was born. I feel like I was born to be a mother. I cannot wait to be pregnant. Um, and in my reality for so much of my life, I'm like, well, everyone thinks this, right? Like, every woman comes out of the womb wanting to be a mom. That's not true. But I was in a bubble for so much of my life. I never even thought to think, oh, someone might want something different for their life. And now I have quite a few women in my life who do not want to be mothers for many different reasons. And I have found myself being like a gut response or initial response. What do you mean? You would be such a great mom. Why not? You know, and it's I feel like I'm shaming them, which is so not yeah. what I am about, but it's just <laughs> how I was. I don't know it's that I was wiring. Yeah. No, need your wiring. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so what do you think society has created around this story that as women, we have failed or we're not good enough or we didn't do our job if we don't become a mother to a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, I think, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's, and this isn't something I've like necessarily researched, but I just make an assumption that, yeah, like evolutionary wise, like in order to like keep the planet going, like some amount of procreation needs to happen. Right. And early on in our evolution, like if we wanted, you know, having more people was safer and, you know, there's, I think a lot of those aspects wired into us that just, when you say I wanted to be a mother, you know, before I was born, like, um, I think we are born with a certain amount of that just from the millennium of generations of where that was how we lived. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then as, and then there was, you know, cultures and how, how they hold it and, you know, different, different ways that, that, uh, you know, being a mother wasn't, it wasn't highly regarded, but you had to like do it. Right. Like it was, I'm just thinking, you know, since our for the at least 6,000 years of patriarchy, you know, it, it's not like an honored profession, but it's like something that is a duty, you know? So then there's this duty aspect like wired in, um, you know, but then we get to today and that's where I was saying, like, it's kind of new to like, start thinking like, well, does every woman's energy, is that where every woman's energy is, is intended? You know, is that, is that like, why every woman's on the planet is that's like one of her jobs, you know? And I, I think we're in the question of it, you know? And I think, you know, and hearing you say it, and I've been thinking about this recently, it's like, well, if we could all just be more curious, you know, with ourselves and others, and, and it's a beautiful way to learn about each other and learn like where, you know, 
I mean, I didn't question it. And it's kind of interesting because it's something I, I now encourage and want every woman to look at where that wiring came from, you know, and where, when a woman says like, I definitely don't, or I definitely do, you know, there's some reactivity in that response. You know, there's, there's some unconscious, you know, thing just even from our upbringing and, and to answer some of those questions like, well, because I'm supposed to, or, you know, I, I, I guess there could be a certain amount of like, I just know, but I think it's worth looking at like where that knowing is so that when you do, you know, really then, Sometimes it changes people's minds, but oftentimes it affirms and then you have a deeper, you know, sense of yourself and that choice that isn't because, you know, I, I had this experience where if you'd ask me anywhere along the way, like, are you going to have kids or do you want to have kids? Like, well, it was, of course, you know, and my husband and I, like in our first couple, like couples coaching sessions before we were married, it was like, well, do you guys think you're going to have kids? Like, yeah, like we, you know, it wasn't even not right away, but sure, you know, <laughs> and we didn't question it. But then when it came down to it is when I got to confront the, the parts of myself that didn't and the parts of myself that was resistant to it. And then that's where I got to do a huge amount of work from my upbringing. And, you know, I share about it in the talks that I give and stuff, but, you know, super briefly that there were these junctures where it was like, this isn't happening. And then I'd uncover some big piece and a huge piece that came up for me because I physically, like I, I wasn't getting a period. So it's kind of hard to get pregnant if you're not getting a period. Right. So Western medicine kind of wanted to point me into like immediately taking drugs for that and like, you know, make it happen. But as you can tell, I'm not like that way immediately mm -hmm. <laughs> about something. And this really deep truth got uncovered that, I was afraid to be a mom and I was afraid to be a mom like my mom had been a mom and then I would be just like her. And even though I had already done, you know, work telling some of those truths, like that was a really uh, deep unspoken truth that like I, and once I, and once I spoke that truth, like everything shifted, you know, my body shifted. And I think so many of those things, you know, are there for us. So we, sometimes we make the choice or we think we know, but we have to continue to be curious about it. So one answer to that question is like, let's be curious with each other. Let's like, can we be big enough to, to hold space for each other as we have that exploration and not just want to put ourselves because then maybe I've made the choice that I want to. And I did that for a while. Like even in my coaching, like I had some people who, you know, my kids when earlier on and they're little, it's like, everyone should do this. Like, and not just because it's like, you should, it's, you know, it's such a part of, uh, a pathway for your growth and nothing helps your growth more than kids. And, and actually felt jealous of some women who had chosen not to, you know, that's an experience I won't have. And my energy that, you know, could have gone in uh, so many other ways than the, ener the energy that it takes to raise kids is enormous, you know, and, and we can encompass a lot and still like accomplish a lot, but you have decided to put that energy a, a certain way. It's so well said. So, and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean you wouldn't make a good mother of children, right? Like it, it has no, that has no bearing on, on that, on that question. Like, of course, you know, it's possible. And then there's like a ton of people that really don't put any thought to it and just do it. And probably shouldn't it, have like, really mind. Like, yeah, you know, here I am like holding back, like saying, yeah. You know, like a lot of people should not be parents. Let's just fucking say it. It's a disaster sometimes. And I'm like, what are you doing? You did not even want to have kids. No. And, <laughs> you know, that's an area like I've, I've just there's a whole area like getting explored and a woman who wrote a book on um, regretting motherhood, not just ambivalent, but like, you know, women willing to tell the truth that, that they've regretted. And it didn't mean they don't love those kids, but they're like, I did it because I thought I was supposed to, you know, and, and, you know, there's that, that aspect, but there's also the whole aspect of like, you know, parenting, no, none of us get trained in it other than what we grew up with. And then we're supposed to know how to do it and do it well. And that, you know, a lot of people aren't, and you just think it's going to be this, you know, that whole mythology of like, Oh, this picture that we have of like this cute little baby and it's just so wonderful. And it's like, Ooh. yeah, until they shit all over you and you're like, Oh, <laughs> right. I haven't slept in three weeks right. and I have poop all over me. 
so there's so many aspects that it's so hard. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. And Mm. Gertrude, I, I am just in awe of the work you do and the way you are guiding women um, back to themselves and their truth and healing from very, very deep places. And so I just thank you for all of the work you're doing and the fact that you have a podcast mm-hmm. now so we can all learn from you Yay. regularly and have more access well, to thank you. you. <laughs> you're <laughs> thank very you welcome. Doing this and bringing people's voices and, you know, mothering this endeavor is, you know, a huge gift and, and service. So I feel super grateful and thank you for ushering this conversation so beautifully. I'm so very, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.